wait to encounter the Lord. I don't know about you, but this has been quite a week, huh? And so with all the different roller coasters of emotions that have happened this week, I want to check in with you. Where are you at? Where is your mind, your heart, your spirit? What are you thinking about this morning? Is there something that is stopping you as you walk in? And so I want to give us about 30 seconds to reflect on that. Where are you coming into this space? And no matter where you're at, that's okay. But I want us to be honest with that because we're anticipating encountering God and we want nothing to be that wall, that block. So will you take about 30 seconds to reflect with the Lord? Where is your posture today? Now, are any of those things a place that you need to confess to God? Is there something that is a wall and you need to say, God, I need you to take this because it's been a long time since I've experienced you. It's been a long time since I've worshiped you with all that I am. And so if you need to confess something, will you do that? Father, we thank you that you are always, always ready to encounter us. And even if there's a wall between us and you because of our own stuff, you are right on the other side of that, ready to break it down if and when we are willing. And today, Lord, we say we are willing. So come, come encounter us today. So about 10 years ago, I started at third. And when we started, every time I was in middle school ministry, whenever we would read the Bible, we would start with this whole phrase. So I wanna read it to you really fast. It might sound a little silly, but I'll explain it in a second, okay? So this is how it goes. This is my Bible. It is the word of God. It is called the sword of the spirit and it is my spiritual weapon. Hey, devil. I am armed and should be considered dangerous because I operate according to the word of God. So now I want you to say it with me. Because the truth was every single time we read this with our students, we wanted our students to understand that what they were about to hear, what they were about to read was strength and power. And no matter what was happening, it was sharper than any double-edged sword was the word of God. So I want us to say it. And now here's the thing, whenever we would read this with students, when we got to the hey devil part, I would stop us and I would say, now you better mean this. Because that 
ugly person named the devil. He wants to try to rob, steal, destroy, and kill what's happening in your life, but the Word of God has more power than he will ever have. So we are going to disarm him in this moment and say that this is God's territory, and what's going to happen in God's territory is going to go for generations and generations because it's about to encounter us and change our lives. So I want us with strength and power to declare the words of what the Bible is, and then we're going to go into reading some scripture from the Bible. Because I don't know about you, but I feel like today's a different day. Today's a new day for breakthrough for us here at Third Church. So we may have settled into some things where it's felt like our roots have just kind of stopped. But God's saying, that is not what I want for us today. Today, there is going to be a centimeter of growth. There's going to be an inch of growth. There might be a foot or a mile of growth, but today is a day of growth. And so I want us to stand and declare this. So will you stand with me? Ready? It might feel silly, I understand. It's for Jesus, right? It's okay. So this is my Bible. It is the Word of God. It is called the sword of the Spirit, and it is my spiritual weapon. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I have what it says I have. Now, I need to hear you. Get that inner voice that like you want to tear something down, you want to get in someone's face, you're ready to throw it down because this is the person to throw it down with. You ready? Hey, devil, come on, that was great. I am armed and should be considered dangerous because I operate according to the word of God. Come on, well done. So now we're going to read from the Psalms. The Psalms are these beautiful books where these just beautiful passages where David is real and authentic. And when he is sad, he's sad. When he's happy, he's happy. But he writes it all out for us to experience the depth and truth of what faith actually is. So we're going to read from Psalms 33. And I'm going to read a part, then you're going to read a part, and then together we'll sum it up. And then we're going to worship the king today. So this is a liturgy of hope from Psalm 33. God's eye is on those who respect him. The ones looking for his love, he is our hope, our fortress, and our firm foundation. So let's read it one more time, and then you'll say he is our hope, our fortress, and our firm foundation. Deal? God is, uh, God's eye is on those who respect him. The ones looking for his love. God is ready to come and rescue us. He keeps our body, soul, and spirit together. God is our radiant hope. He is trustworthy. He wraps us in his presence and he strengthens us. We will trust you, God. We will trust you, God. We will rejoice in you, God, with uncontained joy. Let's read it together. Love us, God, with all you've got. That's what we are depending on.
never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out, working all things out. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Your name. Oh, yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Oh, yes, I will. Storm that surrounds me. 
With just one word, the darkness has to retreat. In just one touch, I feel the presence of heaven. In just one touch, my eyes were open to see. My heart can't help but believe. There's nothing. There's not a mountain that he can't move. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that our God can't do. In just one word, you hear what's broken inside me. In just one word, and you There's not a mountain that he can't move. 
Lord, we acknowledge this morning that there is nothing that you can't do. Lord, that you hold the whole world in your hands. For greater is the one of he who lives within us. So Lord, we come before you in the power and the authority that you have given us. We stand in your love this morning. And we thank you for the work of the cross that sets us free. So come and speak to your people. Come and awaken our hearts. For we worship the God who is not bound by time, that is not bound by anything. So we worship you and we praise you. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you continue to worship with us this morning? Upon a hill, a perfect Savior, upon that day, the greatest love, the punishment that should have fallen on us, upon Him, upon Him, upon His head, a crown of thorns. Upon his heart, a broken world, the wage of sin, the weight of our transgressions, upon him, upon him, in Christ has died, we are forgiven in Christ alive, we are the
For those of you that don't know me, my name is Joel Bennett, and I have the pleasure of serving on the executive board here at Third Reformed Church, and Kevin has kindly asked me to, to pray with you this morning. So will you join me? Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful morning. As I arose to a rosy sky, it was a reminder for me that every day begins anew. 2020 has been a year of anxiety frustration, and isolation. And if we haven't figured it out already, we're beginning to understand what exile really feels like. After a week of polarity in our country, please remind us that this is not our home. In our division, bring unity. In our uncertainty, bring clarity. And in our suffering, bring comfort. Let us not place our faith in man, but place our faith and hope in you. Lord, embolden us to answer the call to be your hands and feet and to use our gifts to continue to do good. Will you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples? If you don't know the words, they'll be on the screen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you, Joel. Last year, November 3 was a Sunday. And last year at all three services to, at that time, several thousand people, I asked a question. And the question was this. If you knew today, November 3, 2019, that in 2020, you would experience exile and suffering like you could not imagine, how would you prepare for it? So how are you doing? How did you prepare for what was coming in 2020? Let me ask you a different question. How were you preparing for 2021? Someone said to me, 21 cannot be worse than 20. Well, let me tell you a story. On the day that Kirk died, or the visitation, we were over here in the social hall and people were visiting us, and someone came up meaning to be loving and kind and encouraging to us and said, nothing can be worse than losing a child. And Lane looked at this person with love and said, I don't know if that is true. What if 2021 would be more challenging than 2020? How are you preparing for what is to come? And what if the next year is going to invite us into levels and kinds of suffering that we are not Comfortable with or mindful of? How are you preparing for what is to come? So can I invite you to open your Bibles, please, to 1 Peter chapter 4. And now Peter moves very strongly into the idea of suffering. And so I'm going to start 
I'm going to end up really positive. So you've got to stay with me as we, we, we get through this. Because you, you've got to get this. So, so let, me be, let me be an old grandpa here now with you. So everybody hear me, please. One of the lackings of the American church, in my opinion, that's us, is we do not have a robust theology of suffering. If we don't understand biblically what suffering is and what it can do, when suffering comes, we become very reactive. We become very disappointed. We become very unhappy. We move farther and farther away from the very one who longs to help us grow more deeply in love with him. So I'm going to poke at this a little bit. It's going to take a little bit of time. I'm going to go start from chapter 4, 12 through 19. I'm going to go back to chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. And then I want to ask a whole series of questions. But before I do, just a couple comments to make sure I get, I get myself really clear. The sentence, Jim, may I have slide number um, uh, 3, please? This is my sentence. As I prepare to preach sermons, if you ask me on Friday what my sermon is in a sentence and I can't tell you, I don't know what I'm talking about. So here's my sermon in a sentence. Commit and continue through suffering to glory. Commit, continue, suffering, glory. So why do followers of Jesus suffer? We live in a fallen world. We may deserve it. It could be disciplined. We're being strengthened. We're being redirected. We're gaining perspective. Suffering can do a whole bunch of things. How do we commit and continue in seasons of suffering trial? I wrote, we choose to trust God with the outcome of our lives. We choose to fight fear. We choose to grow in believing that the one we commit ourselves to loves us more than we can imagine. And we determine we will abide. We're going to be connected to Jesus. So having said that, let me take you through this passage a little bit. And let's, again, get, let, let, let me, I'm going I'm to I'm jump around. I, got, I, I didn't connect very well for a service. This is what I'm trying to say. Suffering has purposes that can be rich and good and full and eternal. But we have to understand what God is doing in suffering. So rather than just be reactive and say, oh, we need to get deep. So today I'm inviting, you to, I'm inviting you to go deeper. And I want you in all of this, would you think about the suffering you've experienced in 2020? Whatever that might be. Would you keep framing what I'm saying back to that? So here it is. We commit ourselves to our faithful Savior. We continue to do good through suffering to glory. Commit, continue, suffering, glory. If you don't keep that sequence in your head and your heart, it's just so easy to fall apart. So in 1 Peter chapter 4, he really unpacks this for us. I'm going to go to read verse 12 and go back to chapter 1. So hear the words of the Lord. 1 Peter chapter 4. And 13 times in chapters 3 and 4, he's going to use the word suffering. Chapter 4, verse 12. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal, and that phrase is the refining of metal in fire. Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you, look at the next phrase, to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. What's he talking about? Back to chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. So right at the beginning, after he talks about hope, chapter 1, verse 6, 
He's talking about the inheritance in verse 5, verse 6. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Now, can you look up for one second? So remember now, this is how long you live on this planet. Go to a cemetery, find a gravestone, and find two numbers. The day they were born, the day they died. This is how long you are on this planet. So what he's going to say here now is, there is something being prepared for you that is so rich, so good, in the midst of living for this long, just a short time. So he says, now for a short time, you're going to experience trials. Now how does he describe trials? Verse 7. He says, these have come so that, you're pr that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold. Does anybody know, what's, a, what's an ounce of gold worth for today? You know? Guess? $1,500 for an ounce of gold. Your faith is worth more than gold. So take a brick of gold. What, what would a brick be worth? A lot. <laughs> Your faith is of more worth than gold, which perishes though refined by fire. So what they would do in that day, they would take gold, they would put it in hot, hot fires, all the dross would burn away, and what remained was pure gold. So what he's saying is, your faith worth more than the best gold. How does gold get really good? It gets put into a hot, hot fire. And everything gets burned away. But now he's going to say what? He says, these come that degenerate your faith of greater worth than gold. The gold perishes even though refined by fire, but your faith results in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So you got to hear this now. The purpose of suffering is to refine your faith. Can I have the slide, Jim, with prunes? There's a whole bunch of verbs. I uh, can't remember what it is right now. Nope, I'll give it to you. I gotta, I'm, I'm jumping around differently than the first time. You, you can do it three times, you can do it better every time you hope. First, number four, here we go. Number four, there you go, you back there you go. So what, does, what happens to exiles who suffer? These are all biblical words that describe what happens in suffering. In suffering, you are being burned. In suffering, you are being refined. In suffering, you are being purified. In suffering, something is being removed. In suffering, you are being shaped or reshaped. In suffering, you are being pruned, like pruning off a branch. You are being prepared. You're being disciplined. Why? Why does suffering happen? For the bottom three things. Christ's character is formed in you. You see, when things are going good, when everything is fine, we just don't think we need the fullness of the things of God. So on November 3 of 2019, if I would have told you that all the things that were coming have come, how would you have prepared yourself? If you knew COVID was coming, if you knew an incredibly contested election was coming, if you knew we'd have this high levels of social unrest and pain around the idea of racism, what would you have, would you have done anything? That, maybe that's a better question. Would you have done anything to prepare yourself? Because now we're in it. Now we're in this. And so this is what the Lord is doing in suffering. He's doing this in each of us. So think about your suffering. 
What's he trying to do? He's trying to grow character in you. He's trying to help you put down deep, deep roots. So that if 21 is worse than 20, you got the roots, the deep roots, that you can bear more fruit, which is what? Love and joy and peace and patience. Put down the roots. But when things are going good, yeah, yeah, yeah. So a heart attack comes. And a doctor says, Kevin, you're going to have to start exercising. Why? Because if you don't, you're going to die. Okay, I will exercise. Okay. Suffering is the Lord saying, okay, I'm going to talk to you clear now. Something has to change. Because my character needs to get formed in you, in me. And when things are good, eh, I'm not going to exercise until I have a heart attack. And then I'll get serious about exercise. I'm not going to cheek the Lord until COVID comes. No, what do I do now? Suffering is a gift. God is burning, refining, purifying. He is trying to say to us, all of us, I want you to be like Jesus. What does the book of Hebrews say? Jesus learned suffering through his obedience and for the joy set before him endured the cross. It was in suffering. Now, I'm going to push a little bit now. There's a heresy called the docetic heresy, D-O-C-E-T-I-C. The docetic heresy is like this. Jesus, we saved traditionally for 2,000 years as fully God and fully man. The docetic heresy says Jesus seemed like a man even though he's fully God. So therefore, when he's on the cross, because he was fully God and the heresy said he wasn't man, he's acting like he's suffering. But he wasn't really. How did Jesus, now watch, follow me, fully God, fully, how did Jesus learn character? How did Jesus' character grow? He was hated, rejected, despised, went hungry, wandered around the desert with people, some who loved him, some for what was happening to Jesus? Now, come on, stay with me. His character was growing. Suffering is a tool, a gift that God says, I want to grow Jesus' character in you. And my response is, no, no, I don't want it. I don't want it. It's too hard. Yeah. But Jesus' character gets formed through this. Jesus' faith. I want you to think about this. Jesus had to exercise faith. Now, if you don't believe that, let me say this lovingly, you're a heretic. Jesus, follow me. Jesus had to exercise faith. You think Jesus just walked up to people and said, be healed, and it's just because he, is, because he was all God? That's a heresy. He's God and he's man. So out of his, in his humanity, he had to completely trust in his Father and be open to the power of the Spirit. What does suffering do? It is God's faith. Christ's faith is growing in us. So if you're a Democrat... The last four years, your faith has been called to grow. 
If you're Republican, possibly, probably, the next four years, your faith will need to grow. Just in politics. Not just politics. It's economics. It's education. It's theology. It's, it's everywhere. And see, we don't want, we don't, we don't, see, the, the, you know what the second law of thermo, thermo, thermodynamics is? Joel, you know what it is. The second law of thermodynamics is basically everything dissipates, falls apart, breaks down. Everything in creation is influenced by the second law of thermodynamics. But we are being renewed day by day. We are being transformed day by day. Now we push. And normally, this happens in suffering. Am I speaking the truth? And I don't want to hear this. I don't, I don't like suffering. But, but look what the last thing is. Christ's glory shines in us. Well, let me go to the passage. We'll go back to the passage. Let's keep going. Back to chapter 4, 1 Peter 4, 13. So we caught through the trial stuff. Verse 13. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate. You participate in the sufferings of Christ. Why? Here's the purpose. Purpose clause. So that... Why do we participate in sufferings? You may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. When is that? Remember now, back 10 weeks ago, three different verses, 1-3, We talked about a living hope. What is to come? When will this glory be completely revealed? When Jesus returns. So, the sufferings of this life are preparing us, giving a longing for when the glory will be completely and fully revealed. Folks, that's where you're heading. Yes? That's where we're going. So if suffering is, oh, no, my life stinks, our country's just gone up. We all make lots of statements. Yeah, maybe true, maybe not. Can I just remind you one more time? You are not citizens first of this country. If you were, when you died, you'd stay in the ground right here. So if you want to die in America and stay in America the rest of your life, God bless you. I don't want to stay in the ground at New Sharon Cemetery. I want to go to be with Jesus. And I want to be in a new heaven and a new earth. And I want to look forward to the glory. So he says, Rejoice in the suffering so that you can be overjoyed when the glory is revealed. So now he talks about specific things in suffering. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, makarios, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Let me give you the best example I can give you of this. I've, I've thought about this so many times. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and God wrestling. I've told this story before, but it just typifies it so well for me. My fourth brother is named Ken. And Ken just loves to share Jesus with people. And early on in his ministry in Southern California, he and three friends went to a place where, a Planned Parenthood place where their abortions are, are uh, performed. And my brother and his three friends just stood across the street and they just prayed for a little while. And then they said, I just get on their knees and they would pray. There was no comments, no signs, no nothing. Didn't say a word, just prayed. People came across. They got violent, ugly. Police had to come. And my brother Ken had one particular person 
spit in his face. Ken's about a little shorter than me. It's a shorter person, just spat, spat. <laughs> just, just, and his face was covered with spit. And then she F-bombed him, screamed at him. The cops came, pulled him out, got him safely. Some years later, this particular person comes to the church where he's a pastor. He spends time, builds a relationship. He leads her to a relationship with Jesus. And now she's following hard after Jesus. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Sounds like a sermon on the mind. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the peacemakers. That's why I keep saying to you, the best description I can have of a follower of Jesus is Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Next verse, please. Let's go to, let's go to 15. If you suffer, now you know this now, he he's going to give two kinds of suffering here. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. Now, this is really, next couple of verses are really hard. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will become for those who do not obey the gospel of God? From Proverbs 11, and it is hard for the righteous to be saved. What will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should, here's the phrase, commit themselves to the faithful creator and continue to do good. So there's his suffering, commit, continue, suffering, and glory. Now, let me unpack this suffering judgment thing because I need, I need a big umbrella of mercy here. And I'm, I know I'm going to misspeak, and so I'm asking for grace. If you have problems, Kevin K at trcpilot.com, come see me. So what's he saying? Judgment begins with the house of God. What's going on? How does suffering and judgment, what's, what's, what's going on with all this? So walk with me here. What Peter is saying is that he wants the body of Christ to be authentic, genuine, committed disciples. And those who are playing Christian but aren't are falling under judgment. How? Through suffering. And those who are hypocritical, playing the Jesus game but not committed, are under judgment through suffering. Why? Judgment begins with the house of God. So what is a purpose for suffering? Not every time, but what can be? It can be the Lord saying, you know, there are just things in your life that need to be pruned or refined or cut away, or taken out. What and why? Because the spirit of glory rests on us. Why? So that people can see and experience Jesus. So the removing suffering comes to help us become, become the character, the faith of Jesus. It can do that. The spirit of glory rests on us as we are seeking to be these people so that other people can see in us she looks like Jesus. He acts like Jesus. They talk like Jesus. 
Do you see now suffering has a purpose? There are, this is how serious, this is how serious, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. We all, many of us know this verse. And the one and only son says to whom? And says what? You will be my witnesses. Where? In Pella, in Marion County, in the state of Iowa, and to the ends of the earth. I don't want to be. I don't want to do that. Well, a loving God says, well, Kevin, I'm going to bring some pruning into your life. I'm going to bring some refining. Why? Because I want you to carry my glory, says Jesus, and I want you to bring it with you. There is no plan B. We're it. Do you see, well, we just can't play this church thing. I mean, if, 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 if you don't know by now, let's have a coffee conversation. The church is so marginalized, it's not even funny. We, we, we aren't in the conversation in the culture right now. Just, just, just follow, look all over the place. How do we get in the conversation? The glory of God and of Christ rests on you. And you go do your job. You go to your school. You live with your family. You become a woman or a man, a boy or a girl, who is carrying the glory of Jesus. And people are going to say, I want that. And things change. Does that make sense? Okay, we move fast through some questions. Five and six, Jim, five, six, seven, real quick. Why is exilic suffering considered strange from verse 12? Because none of us think we're going to suffer or should suffer. We think life should be easy and fun. Why do we think it's strange? I said, I met, I, met, I was in a meeting recently. Um, I've got a phrase that I've been using more, and you've heard it a couple times. As we grow older, we live with an accumulation of losses. And I was talking to a group of younger people in another setting, and they kind of, um, kind of blew me off. And then in this particular locale, there were three or four horrible, horrible, horrible things that happened in this small community. Abuse, rape, bad stuff. And one of them called me and said, is that what you're talking about? Absolutely. Can I just tell you again? I'm going to quote Jesus. In this world, you will experience tribulation. And my opinion, the older you get, the more you get. But Jesus doesn't stop there. Jesus said what? Ah, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. It is the connecting with Jesus in the midst of all kinds of suffering where he is purifying, cleaning us, preparing us. What results from exilic suffering? The spirit of glory and Christ rests on us. I, I think I told, I can't remember what service I talked to, 
I was invited into a situation in Des Moines. Um, there was a death situation. And so there was a death, and there was another death in this, in this clan, two, family, two, two different deaths. So this, I got invited to this death, and as this person is dying, there was such a sense of the presence and the goodness of the Lord. You can just sense it in the room. There's this beautiful sense, the Lord's presence. And as the person was transitioned, I use the phrase, passed from this life to the next, it was absolutely beautiful. So the family who's here, two weeks before, had another person die here. And this person died with arms up and screaming. Sits up in bed and screams, no! And then dies. What results from exilic suffering? If we are becoming more like Jesus, the spirit of glory and of Christ rests on us. How does exilic suffering bring blessing? People get to see you suffer well. And they want what you have. Verse 15, are there right ways and wrong ways to suffer? Absolutely. There are bad ways to suffer. If you rob a bank, you need to go to jail. If you sell drugs and get caught, you need to go to jail. If you rape someone, you need to go to jail. Are there right ways to suffer? Sure. And don't respond. There are right ways to suffer. And people are watching how we respond to suffering. Why does Peter connect exilic suffering to judgment? Because he says the Lord is trying to create this beautiful group of people, women and men, boys and girls, who carry the character and the heart and the goodness of Jesus. So instead of running from suffering, I think the question is, Lord, what are you asking? What are you trying to show me? How are you trying to shape me in the suffering? Now, I'm going to make a caveat. Too quick. Peter is not saying we rejoice in suffering itself, and nor is he saying we should be seeking suffering. I just say this as an old grandpa, don't seek suffering. It will find you. You seek Jesus in the kingdom, and he will add what's needed to be added. Am I speaking the truth this morning? Are you okay with me? Okay. Now, slide enough seven, then I'm going to ask you to have a little conversation if you would. So I've been talking about glory multiple times. So we talk about commit yourself to your faithful Savior, continue to do good, so the spirit of glory rests on you. What are we talking about? It's the character and the power of God. I, I told this story before, but it just came to mind. So when Kyle was in the NBA back in the day, he went to India and uh, went to Mother Teresa's compound, and uh, he asked if he could spend some time there, and he did and I told you this story was so interesting. When she died, they, her feet were all gnarled up. Remember this? The reason her feet were so gnarled is that whenever they received shoes, Mother Teresa gave her shoes to everybody, all the other sisters. And she wore whatever she could get, and they were always too small. So her feet just curled up. She couldn't walk on the tops of her feet because they were so messed up. But Kyle said, when you walk into that place, and what, what's the, what's the, what do they do? The Sisters of the Mercy, they go to, in Calcutta, they take this, the, the most horribly um, diseased and dying people and they welcome them. And Kyle said the smell was overpowering. It was just so amazing to see. But to see these sisters sit next to someone who's dying, who was non-responsive, who smelled horrible, who was dying a horrible death, 
to watch these women sit alongside and speak blessing and say prayers and wipe faces and dab water. He said it was the most incredible experience of the glory of God he'd ever experienced. So here are a bunch of young women, led by an older woman who's now gone, on whom the spirit of glory rested. They suffered. They lived with people who suffered. They are refined. So I mean, let's keep going with this one. A biographer wrote about Mother Teresa, and she had a lot of doubts. If you read her story, she wrestled with the level of suffering. She wrestled with different things. And people want to discredit her. I just want to say, read the Psalms. She was so honest with pain and suffering and loss and her smallness. So those of us who are old like me, is this true? The older I get, the smaller I get. I'm watching my dad. Our dad is... Uh, 90, just turned 90. My dad used to be 5'10", and now he's about, I'd say, 5'6". My dad is shrinking. My dad is shrinking on the outside. But on the inside, he's being renewed day by day. May that be true of all of us. Amen? Lord, we want to say thank you that you're always in the business of turning that which is evil and wrong and painful and hard to understand into things that are better than we can imagine. So we thank you, Lord, that suffering is never wasted. Tears are never lost. That somehow, mysteriously, you're at work in whatever suffering we are in. And you're inviting us to become more and more like you. So Lord, I pray you'd release a spirit of hope into people right now who don't feel much hope. Would you release a spirit of expectation into those who are despairing? Would you offer a vision of what could be if not now, in the life to come. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on us. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on us. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, grant us your peace. Lord, may your kingdom come. May your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
as you leave, please leave with the blessing of the Lord. May the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you now and always. Amen. God bless. Whatever's appropriate, social distancing, please greet each other on the way out. God bless.